We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where we're recording. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging, and to all Indigenous peoples worldwide who are listening in. Welcome to the next episode of the Doyen Interviews. My name's Bridget and today we'll be chatting to Kat Caetano, who's an associate at Woods Bagot in New York. The interview took place via Skype and we launched pretty much straight into a pretty candid chat. Thanks also to Anon for the beautiful introductory music. Let's get straight into it. Yeah, I actually just quickly went onto your website and saw that, how long have you been in New York for? Uh been here um since 2015 october 2015 yeah um so almost four years now yeah and uh prior to that i was in hong kong um which has a very similar vibe to new york they're both like very um intense working environments um and you're surrounded by tall skyscrapers everywhere um and everyone's pretty much on the go all the time. So I think I always like like that energy from larger cities. Um, yeah. And growing up in Toronto, it was a completely different vibe. You know, you have like a lot more space and a lot more accessible green space right yeah. at your fingertips. Um, and it's way more chill than I've ever experienced in my in my work life. Um, so. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something about that that lifestyle that I that I crave that's kept me going at it for now probably eight years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. I yeah. I had a look at your like your experience. You've worked in like a few different countries. Mm-hmm. I think um, a part of it was just growing up in Canada, surrounded by. Um, a very multicultural society um, and being an immigrant myself I just wanted to learn more about other people um, and so when I was growing up uh, my my parents were really encouraging of me to learn a lot of different languages um, and so I enrolled when I was eight years old uh, my mom enrolled me in in a Spanish class um, surrounded by mostly uh, Spanish-speaking children, and it was <laughs> a little intense. <laughs> um, and I didn't learn any Spanish then, but it was it was also really fun to just be in that environment. Um, and you know, being in Canada, you you have to learn French, and so I took that for about thirteen years. Uh, and can't really speak it fluently, <laughs> regretfully, <laughs> but um, also really fun just to learn about the culture. Um, my dad was was working for like a Swiss company at the time, and I really wanted to learn German, so I took German in college and not really architecture. Right. Um, and uh, that brought me to really falling in love with Germany and the culture and the language and... Uh, yeah. I had the opportunity in my my third year in college to study abroad in Hamburg, um, which really opened my eyes to the world because it was 
really that first experience where I could um, embrace a culture on my own without um, the protected bubble of of living at home. Yeah. Um, I was it was so fun, and ever since then I've just always wanted to explore more um, and learn more about about other cultures. That's so cool. So, um, where did you? What sort of work did you do? So you did. Did you go then back? So did you finish studying and then? When did you go back to Germany and work in Germany? Did I read that correct? Or did you work somewhere? Uh, so after uh, my bachelor's, I went back home for a year to Canada, and I yeah. took a a year off. Um, I guess a gap year in a way. Um, yeah. Just learning about the world, and I traveled a lot with my parents and on my own. Um, um, just around Europe because I had this craving to go back to Europe. <laughs> Um, yeah. and during that time I, uh, was applying for my master's degrees and, uh, I got into the university of Toronto where I'm from. So, um, I ended up just staying there and, um, even though Toronto's home, I still had that urge to, to want to leave. So then I actively sought for internships, um, in, in Germany and, uh, that's why uh, I spent a few summers there um, trying to soak in more of the other cities and learning more about the different uh, cultures um, of the other cities there. Yeah, that's so cool. And then so like what was it what was is it what was it like working in Germany and then as opposed to working in Hong Kong as opposed to working in New York like have they just been like totally different experiences yeah the the German ones were for smaller offices uh, yeah. I think both of them had no more than 15 people right um and my first internship there I was uh working for Svi Hecker who's this Jewish Polish architect um who had his heyday in the 70s um and so he has very um strong high level concept ideas uh which was a great which was great to be around when you're you know so young um and really uh just wanting to know more about about architecture and the possibilities of architecture um and uh being there, I think it wasn't as intense as what I I've learned now from being in New York and Hong Kong. But um, you you know you're you're doing competitions with them, and they have a a different sort of intensity. Like the intensity only lasts from let's say nine to six when we were working, and then you'd go out and really have a good time and relax with with all your friends. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you know, I was in my mid, mid twenties when yeah. I was there. And, uh, so I had like, you know, that, that mindset where, Oh, I just want to have fun. I'm still yeah. in school. <laughs> I don't understand what this career trajectory fully is yet. Yeah. Um, so my mindset was completely, uh, different. Yeah. And so what was it like in Hong Kong? Hong Kong was 
a bit of a risk for me. Um, <laughs> I just got the offer from OMA um, applying online on their website. Um, yeah. And then I like I had two interviews with them via Skype. Um, didn't hear back from them for a few months. And then they offered me a position and I was like, do I stay in Toronto or do I explore the world? And the obvious choice for me um, would be to get out of Toronto, see what Hong Kong is like. And if I don't like it, I always have the option of, of moving back home. Yeah. Um, and so I took the chance and that was a very intense three and a half years when I was there um, wow. working on, <laughs> let's say, a lot of competitions um, thankfully, I got to work on a lot of a lot of large scale um, buildings. Yeah, um, that were in design development, um, and the the intensity I think from going from competitions to a building that's going to be constructed didn't change at OMA. You yeah. still have that same drive to to detail everything. Um, with as much options and and iterations as possible. Um, so whenever I was done with my workday, I was pretty much exhausted every night. Yeah. Uh, and then whenever I, I got time to myself to hang out with friends, I really went hard and enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah. What's like that kind of scene like in Hong Kong? Like is there a big party scene? Or like a big expat kind of thing? Yeah, it's it's really it's funny because the studio itself is in the heart of Lang Kui Fong, which is the party district of Hong Kong. <laughs> um, so then, you know, we'd be working until three or four in the morning sometimes, sometimes until like six AM on a project and then there would be people out in the streets still partying around Um, (laughs) and so you'd walk outside of the office building surrounded by these people having a great time and being all drunk and you're like I just want to go home please (laughs) tell me the quickest route to to go home Um, god and like kind of hilarious because there was actually a club on the third or fourth floor in our office building so you would hear the bass go up and down when you're working and you're like what is going on what kind of world do we live in Uh, but it was so fun it was such a good time did you ever like leave work and go to the club and then come (laughs) there were some people that actually did that but I don't think they ended up ever going back to work (laughs) I don't think their plans ever ever like fully um were fully uh um uh they their plans never fully went through because they'd always end up going home after or or having too much fun outside it was always very tempting it was always very tempting yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. And so, like, if you finish work at six a.m., what time would you go back into work the next day? Um, typically around nine thirty, ten a.m. Oh my god, you must have been exhausted. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it was a very tiring lifestyle, especially if you're on a competition. Um, and I don't think that changes too much from from offices like that, from more yeah. design oriented offices. Um, yeah. And when you're, you know, when you're really passionate about the project, and the whole team is has that same passion and drive about the project, you kind of don't want to go home. You just want to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think creativity as well, like comes in spurts and yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. <laughs> I think for me, I work best when it's later at night. For some reason, my like the coffee just starts working at six p.m. Yeah, um, and and then maybe it's also because the office is quieter then, and I get to focus more. Um, but yeah, during the nighttime, I always get like these ideas just start sprouting up. Um, and you, yeah. it kind of also transitions strangely into my dreams sometimes. Which, <laughs> you know, it becomes this 24-hour cycle of architecture. <laughs> um, I was actually uh, in Melbourne last summer in August. Oh, really? I was, uh, yeah, I was working on a competition and I told my boss here I wanted to work in in Melbourne or try like the Sydney office. Um, yeah. And they gave me the opportunity to work in Melbourne on a competition. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah, it was so fun. Uh, and I love Melbourne. I love the scale of the city. Um, yeah. And the craziness of the architecture there. Which <laughs> I like totally wasn't expecting. Like I, I knew about it and I read about like all the buildings, but just being surrounded by crazy facades one after the other when you're just walking down the street was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's interesting, I guess, to hear someone else's perspective because we get so used to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's so normal. Oh, that's really cool. And how did you find working in the Woods Bagot office in Melbourne as compared to New York? Um, the Woods Bagot office in Melbourne is a lot bigger than the one in New York right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a machine and people there are like super, super talented. And, um, what was strange to me is, is also the, the work-life balance. It's a lot different in, uh, Melbourne than it is in New York. Because as I was saying in New York and Hong Kong, it's you're constantly on the go and you're constantly thinking about architecture all the time. Um, But when I was in Melbourne, like there's a hard stop at 6 p.m. Everyone goes home. If you stay an hour later, you're the only one in the office. Yeah. (laughs) And you hear people on the phone um, around like 5 p.m. apologizing to other people saying, I'm sorry, I'm calling you this late. And I'm thinking, what? It's only 5 p.m. And people are apologizing about about working. So it was quite nice to to realize that a work-life balance like that can exist. Yeah. Um, and it's a slower pace of, of life, which I really appreciate. It's interesting. I feel at the moment in Melbourne, um, there's a real push to, like, finish up work at six or like when the office closes previous job definitely finished up always on time 
And like I've just changed jobs and it's so far seems pretty similar. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, there's like kind of um, a lot of efforts being made to just like, yeah, to make sure that people go home. And um, I don't know, I guess it's just like changing the culture. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's um it's inter- it's an interesting one. Um, I'm thinking a lot about what it would be like to work for myself and um like just do my own hours and not have to stick mm-hmm. to this like regimented thing every day. Like it, on one hand, it's good because it it's so nice working with other people and it is nice having a routine. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems a bit like in general, like just working nine to five, yeah, in terms of creativity, it can be a bit halting, um, I find. But it's also, I think there's a, a lot of value in that in, in maintaining a work-life balance, um, which we often forget to have Yeah, in, in New York. Um, you know, you get to spend more time with your family, friends, you, you can actually make plans, um, yeah. and not cancel on people last minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're, I think, more efficient with your time when you have a regimented schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I guess, also just finding the right balance for you, like what works for you. I've had a few friends that love the Melbourne lifestyle and want to move back to Melbourne, actually. Oh, from And they're in New York and they're like, oh, I can't, I can't stand this, like, constant movement and constantly trying to do something 24 hours um and then other people who are like I want to get out of New York I can't I can't I can't keep going like this um so that's so interesting and so like what kind of projects are you working on at um at the moment right now I'm working on um a master plan in India and it's yeah it's a pretty cool project I've never worked on a project in India before um and it's four towers that are going to become part of an office um IT park and um I think it's quite fun because uh when we were starting to do concept last year I always pictured them as like these four animals on the plot of land um just because they're very short but long buildings um and whenever I think about architecture my boss really hates this but I always find a way of of trying to change them into animals or think of something cute about them (laughs) (laughs) it just makes it more fun I think yeah <laughs> Sometimes you can't help it, like the shape yeah. you're making. It, yeah, <laughs> in your mind, it just like looks like something else. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. And so, what part of India is it in? It's in um, Pune, which okay. is um, right now. It's uh, still a growing um, city in India. Um, and the client we're working with um, is really excited to get this development going there, and hopefully it'll sprout more developments around our project site. And um, 
What's it like in the office? This podcast, like it is a bit about women working in architecture. I saw that you um, guest hosted Parlour, which I thought was really cool. Um, Like how have you found being a woman, like a female architect working in New York? I think that we have a very supportive environment in New York. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of women's groups here. I'm part of um, ULI, the Urban Land Institute here, um, and they have um, a group called WLI, the Women's uh, Leadership Initiative. And the women that I meet there from throughout the real estate industry, they're so amazing. And every time I go to a talk or a panel or a Q&A with with these women I'm always inspired and I'm like I want to be her <laughs> like I, I want how do I get there in like five or ten years yeah. um which is is really great um I think working in an office environment there's it's still a little bit hard to try to find um women mentors who are architects and in our office um Currently, we don't have that many women um, in leadership positions, unfortunately, but I don't think it's necessarily our office's fault um, not having women leaderships there at the moment. It's just trying to find like the right women um, to help our our studio succeed. Um, So still looking forward and optimistic that there'll be someone soon, you know, that can help mentor the younger women in our office. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'm one of those people that, that the younger designers in the office can look up to. Yeah. It kind of sounds like maybe there's a bit of room for you to grow. The thing about Woods Baggett is, um, you know how we always say it's a global studio, I kind of do believe it is a a global studio because those women mentors do exist um, elsewhere. We had this wonderful uh, leader, Sarah Kay, who was in our New York studio um, for, I think, three years. And so she was there when I started. And she's this amazing, amazing woman. Um, And she recently just moved back to Sydney, which was sad. I really wanted her to stay in New York, um, but I call her like our studio's cheerleader because she's always like pushing us to, you know, be the best architects or designers in the city. And she's always proud of the work we're doing. And it it's really encouraging and, and motivating, um, not just yeah. for women, but for everyone in the office to have that sort of encouragement and empowerment from from someone the other women that you're talking about that you're meeting, what are the characteristics in them that you look at and you think like, oh, I would um, like want to be like that? I think, well, it might also be an influence of the setting, but they project so much confidence when they, when they speak. And I know when, whenever I'm doing a presentation, um, there's still like that bit of nervousness that I have. And it, I'm always nervous in my head and not yeah. sure of if I'm saying the right thing or if I should say things a different way. And I think having that sort of confidence when you're speaking or presenting to someone is, is really important because then they start 
believing in what you're saying. So true. And I could imagine in New York there'd be some pretty ballsy, confident people and women. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. (laughs) Do you find that New York, like the architecture of New York, because it's such a busy city, do you think that has an effect on... Like, is it, like, a fairly changing environment? I think so. I think you do see a lot of uh, dynamism in uh, the design and the architecture. Yeah. Um, But when you start uh, focusing too much on uh, what's going on in social media and all the architecture and all the fit-outs start to look a little bit similar. Yeah. Um, and a little bit repetitive. Um, So then, I don't know, you try to find ideas elsewhere. Like for me, going to even uh, the National Natural History Museum in New York, um, you can find like some sort of inspiration there that's different from visiting the coffee shop down the street that looks like the other coffee shop down (laughs) the other street. (laughs) Yeah. Everything just becoming the same? Is that, like, an issue there? There, it is a huge issue. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of people that are aware that it it is happening. um, Yeah. And are trying to find different ways of, of changing the environment so it doesn't all become the same. But I think it's happening, um... Everywhere, I think I experienced it in Melbourne, too. Um, you know, I, I go to one coffee shop and it looks exactly the same as another one. Yeah. With all these, like, light woods and metal. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like exposed ceilings and stuff. Yeah. Oh, like, exposed, like, and floors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, and I see it in Toronto as well, and... Uh, there's this desire to please that I guess the the people that see these things on social media and want it in their cities um, but I mean there are other people that are trying to create something new all the time and redefine you know what a coffee shop is it's a matter of you know always just pushing for that that difference yeah it's so true it's kind of a f- like a funny thing if you really think about it because I feel like people turn to Instagram because or like different social types of social media because they're looking for something new and they're looking for inspiration but actually it's when you think about it like yeah it's just like a regurgitation of something else (laughs) it's not (laughs) innovative (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and then but they want I think I'm I really do think that people who are wanting like new designs they they do want something that's new and interesting but I think maybe mm-hmm. that concept gets a little bit lost sometimes with people who mm-hmm. aren't yeah like aren't as architecturally literate but yeah I haven't worked a lot with um my own clients but I could imagine as my career progresses it could be quite frustrating um, like people just say, you know, showing coming up with examples of stuff that already exists and trying to explain why that that way of designing might not be appropriate or, um, yeah, I don't know. 
kind of a hole. Yeah, definitely. I think also um, it's kind of difficult because a lot of clients want to know what millennials want. Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like we're all so different. Yeah. That it's hard to really pinpoint yeah. like what a millennial wants and design for a millennial when like there's a million things you could do. Yeah, it's so true. And there's so many different needs as well within, yeah, like within generations and within genders and within cities. Um, yeah, so like I guess to like kind of finish up, um, have you had any like challenges or I don't know, has there been anything that you've needed to overcome um, that you would like give yourself advice about if you were to look back? on your career so far? Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's always uh, things I wish I could have done differently. And I know people say, don't regret anything you've done because you wouldn't have gotten to where you are if if, uh, you did. But um, yeah, I think for me, the the confidence building is something that I want to keep continuing, like even today, building on. Um, Yeah. And my younger self, like, I was, I had zero confidence. Really? <laughs> I just kept to myself all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, I'd have these ideas, but then I'd be always too afraid to share them. Right now, I'm really happy where I am. Um, the people in my office are very supportive of, of what I do. And, and I think they and I can see where I can grow within this studio. Um, But beyond that, um, I am trying to obtain my architecture license. I'm halfway there, I think, with my exams. And then within three or four years time, we'll see, we'll see where I, I I head off to. Um, Not sure if New York is going to be, the place that I end up settling in. Yeah. I still have that bit of nomadic character in me <laughs> wanting yeah. to explore more. So we'll see where where that takes me. Pretty amazing with architecture. It, I do think it's it's a career where you can ex, like travel and explore the world. And there are so many like global studios out there. And it it is like a a very universal language. Um, and we're all affected by it. You have to have, I think, a lot of empathy being in this industry to understand the social needs of of the people that you're designing for. Yeah, I think that's um, definitely been a theme in quite a few of our conversations. Thanks, Kat, for your time. Mm-hmm.